Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode nine of the New Lock Hard Truth Business Podcast with me, Mike Rothen. As always, the 48-year-old himself, Mr. Michael Kennedy. (laughs) (laughs) And and we're joined this week by a one and only football index expert, uh, Zedai Dave. How are you, Dave? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm probably pushing the average age up slightly on this episode. Um, No, no, Mr. Kennedy is, is... knocking on the door of the 50s i'm, yeah, no. I'm 21 <laughs> despite my youth despite my youthful good looks i'm actually slightly older than mr kennedy so um yeah just for clarification i'm only 25 i've just aged horrendously <laughs> you've both i've actually managed to maintain my good looks uh, or youthful looks so i've sucked through the heart already <laughs> i assume this is I assume this is audio only, isn't it? And that wasn't a dig at you. Yeah, If we put my face online, then uh, our, our listeners would go way down. Um, you both, <laughs> both got far more hair than me. Um, uh, but unfortunately, we've, we've actually got a supporter of a decent team because, uh, Dave, you're a, you're a Chelsea fan, me being a Derby fan and Mr. Kennedy being Ipswich. We're not used to talking to a, a fan of a team that's doing actually well. We've had a Mansfield fan on. We've had, that's the level we're used to. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sort of exiled down in the South Coast now. I moved to Stanton about 10 years ago. So uh, I gave up my Chelsea season ticket at the end of 2012. So my last game as a Chelsea season ticket holder was actually the Champions League final in Munich. So uh, a great way to go out. But uh, wow. yeah, exactly. So I'm more of an armchair fan now. I do go and watch the Saints. So I started taking my son, who's just turned six we went to a game recently um about a month ago up in Stanford Bridge's first time so um yeah it's obviously doing really well I mean this time last year it was a shame Lampard obviously as a club legend just couldn't quite get us to that next level well that's what I wanted to um fight you about because obviously Frank Lampard came to Derby he did really well at Derby of course he did yes he he is was garbage at buying players because every single one of the players he bought left on a free um, he spent a lot of money and they all left on a free. Darren McAntony <sighs> took Jack Marriott back off us. We paid five million for him and then he'd get him back a few years later for free. Um, and then decided to leave us high and dry and go to Chelsea. And he, he said that there's only one club in the world he would have left our before and that's Chelsea. I think in hindsight, it was far too early for him, even if he did have a fantastic first year. He should have stayed at Derby. He should have learned his trade a bit more. Um, but I'm not bitter. I don't cry about it anymore. Let's, uh, let's swiftly moving on. <laughs> right. Okay. Today's episode, we are talking, there's not a lot of news, but um, there's a couple of things. Conveniently, there is news about Football Index, um, hence why we've got Dave on. And I wanted to talk about the, the future of green transport. And uh, we, we, we kind of turned into an environmentalist podcast, aren't we, uh, Mr. That's Kennedy. the concerning thing. I mean, about the future, as, as, the, as the owner of a gas guzzling 4x4, I feel that I'm most at home talking about green issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just trying to offset your pollution by talking about... <laughs> no, but no, we're a business podcast. The future of business is green. Um, 100%. Companies, companies that don't evolve will die. Um, I work for a utilities company, and we, we've come out and said, look, if you've not... As a contractor, if you've not got green elements to you so for example you you've not got a plan to go electrical that kind of stuff we won't work with you and that is the future for a lot so these companies are 
I'll, I'll take a green approach, not to save the planet, it's more to save the business. Um, so, right, let's get stuck into that, first of all. I had a meeting this week in regards to electric vehicles and, and um, saw a presentation about how much pollution, how much carbon we shove into the air. Um, from a household, from a car perspective, it's not, it's not a huge amount. The biggest polluter in this country is HGV travel. So your heavy goods vehicles going down the motorways. Um, problem being with those vehicles, you can't, the technology isn't there to have electric lorries at the moment. The batteries aren't big enough. They'll do 90 miles with no heating on and then they'll have to recharge again. Doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, over in, over in Germany, they have... Uh, on the autobahn they've got about a 10 kilometer stretch of that and the best way i can describe it is you ever been on bumper cars i presume you have yeah they've got the, they, they pick up the current above don't they exactly so they've got our bumper cars work is they get the current from the top of the thing and they're all electric you fly around and um, 10 kilometers of the autobahn they've got they look like overhead power cables and what happens is when these new lorries go into it's, it's always in the in the left hand lane uh, or whichever lane the slow lane is in there. They have these wires that, that stretch 10 kilometers. The top of the lorry then gets a conductor that goes up and touches it, and it charges the lorry while it's going. So like an electric train then, isn't it, with the exactly. overhead power cables? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And this is really interesting because that, that electricity is renewably sourced. So every couple of kilometers, there's like a substation that has solar panels and everything like that. Mm. If the lorry is, um, it's got a full battery, then what happens is the, the electricity it creates by braking, for example, you, when you brake, you create energy that creates electricity that gets put back into the network. So it should be a hundred percent renewable energy. That's clever. Um, it, That's very it's clever. Really, really, really yeah. clever. And it's, I mean, from a completely, from a personal point of view, it keeps the lorries in the slow lane as well. Uh, they actually did tests on uh, over in Germany because they're very efficient over there on the drivers. The drivers are less stressed as well because it's uh, apparently driving lorry is quite a stressful job. You've got to concentrate. You've concentrated yeah. because they've got to stay in that lane and they're going along at 60 mile an hour. Their stress levels come way down. They're not worrying about overtaking because they physically can't. They're not allowed to. They've got to stay in that lane. So their, their quality of life, they're not worrying about, I've got to get to another petrol diesel station and fill up because this is constantly charging the vehicle. I think that's brilliant. I don't know what you're So will, will eventually every autobahn have it? So you have a 10 kilometer stretch, what, every 100 kilometers? Or no, is it, no, is no, it... this is, so we've got um, plans in the UK. The, the lady who did the presentation, she's part of a group that looks at this. They've got plans in the UK. There's a port up north that's the biggest um it, it receives the the large amount of incoming goods and the most pollutant road is between there and doncaster because at doncaster there are loads of distribution hubs so if you imagine everything that comes across from europe and asia ends up at this port gets loaded onto a lorry the lorries drive to doncaster to these distribution points and then from there everything goes out to the rest of the country it's the most pollutant road in the country and that is has, has someone told insulate britain this I, well, the m25 is getting a bit busy now <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so what their plan is that is a 
I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but let, let, let's say that's a, a 50 kilometer stretch of land. Um, they have put in plans in place to turn that, that section of motorway, 100% of it, into this new electric yeah. conducting motorway. And it will charge the lorries all the way there. By, do, and it, by doing it, it is going to remove, I don't know, 90 megatons of carbon pollutant from it which is an insane it's an insane amount of pollutant and it will basically they will then if it works which if they've proved in germany it works they will look at making the entire motorway system in the uk these electric motorways um we're a business podcast so we'd like to talk about the cost so how much money do you think it would cost to do the entire british motorway oh my we're, we're talking billions um, we're, we're, let's we put are, a bit yeah. on there I mean, I remember an old episode of Top Gear where this idea was floated about 10 years ago. And then it was, I mean, then it was about two or three billion. I mean, now it would have to be substantially more. I mean, I'm going to hazard a guess, a very uneducated guess. I'm going to say 25 billion 25 minimum. Billion. Okay. Dave? Is it, more, is it more or less than Tesla trace cost? <laughs> No, it'll probably uh, be more effective. <laughs> <laughs> the most expensive spreadsheet in history. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't even know what were the numbers on the track and trace. How much does that cost us? Was it thirty-five billion in the end? Okay. I think it's still going up, isn't it? I think they're still paying consultants seven grand a day. <laughs> you know, nice it's, work if you can get it. It's less. Okay. Uh, I'd say twenty billion then, just to be slightly different to Mr. Kennedy. The the cost is nine <laughs> billion. It's actually, you know, oh. the whole scheme of things, that's not too bad. Just to put that into percent, because that's 9 billion, that's a lot of money. If I had 9 billion, I'd, <laughs> I'd be happy with that. HS2 has cost over 100 billion. And that's, that's what I was thinking, line. yeah. Mm. So if we could, I mean, this is obviously... Which isn't a, built, which hasn't been built. It isn't, well, I live, in, I live in the Midlands, so I see a lot of HS2 stuff going on. Yeah. It's, it's... If it works, which all the evidence is pointing to it does work, and the amount of pollution it will remove from the, from the air, and this should be 100% renewable energy. I think it does use some hydrogen, which is clean energy, but it's not renewable. No, hydrogen engines, they burn at such a way it burns off all the carbon, but it is a natural resource they have to take away, so it's not classed as renewable. That, how incredible is that? From, uh, this is why... Capitalism works for me because this wouldn't have been created unless there's a company out there that thought of this idea and can make money from it and sell it to government. To the, the government, will, so government will buy it, but it'll be free to use for the HGV drivers, will it? So how this is, or is it, or is it, or is it pay by pay by mile or something? So yeah, that exactly. It. So it is. Um, this was a. Quite a long presentation, but it was really interesting. So how it works is the way that this will be funded, it is around about 25p a mile that the will be charged. Something like that. I don't know the exact figure. It's less than diesel or petrol or whatever. Yes, yeah. 15p of that will go in taxation back to the government. 4p of that will go on maintenance. And then, because obviously these, these lines have to be maintained, the, the, the electric substations that are creating that. Um, and then there's other bits and bobs that are, that are taken away. Um, but how, th this is the beauty of capitalism. 
these solutions are being created and no one had to glue themselves to a road. This is going to remove <laughs> so much carbon because so if we were, if we turn to a socialist um, society, um, this sort of thing I don't believe would be created because no one has the aspiration to do it. You need people to get paid to engineers to create this, to think up these ideas, people to risk their capital to fund these ideas. Mm. It's such a, it's such a great idea. I mean, it can really, really push the future of the world. We're not going to burn the world alive because HGV is the biggest polluter on the planet. Yeah, I actually, um, I actually drove up the A34. So again, I live in Southampton, so a major sort of port and hub. And this was during the summer when it was all around about the hundred thousand uh, HGV uh, driver vacancies. And I don't know if it's because I was looking out for HGVs more so because it'd been in the news, but it was just a stream of HGVs all up the A34 to the Midlands. Um, amazing amount of Range Rovers that were going the other way back to Southampton. They're being exported. So uh, a, a real nice. success story. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, you did say you had a gas guzzler. I wasn't sure which one it was. But no, I mean, it, it was literally the A34 up to the M4. So a good 40, 50 mile stretch was just a stream in the left lane and some in the right lane as well, especially up hills mm-hmm. um, of HGVs. So yeah, I mean, if you could not eliminate the traffic, but eliminate the carbon and the emissions from that, it'll be a huge, huge win. Um, it's massive. You look at a nation, um, obviously the biggest pollution nations in the world are China and the USA. If you can get something like this built in China, which are known for being able to build massive infrastructure very quickly, for the planet, it's a huge win. Not just for the country. Going carbon neutral, going carbon zero, it's a huge step forward. And it's something that can be done in the next decade as well. Yeah, because I think um, there's, wasn't there a railway line built from Shanghai using sort of magnets like, yeah. um, like uh, what's it called? Roller coasters, that sort of thing. And that was British designed, wasn't it? Yeah, um, the, the, they built it in uh, about the same time it took us to re-tarmac a part of the M1 or something like that. Yeah, built it in a week or something stupid, <laughs> didn't they? But I'm, okay. I'm, sure it's British, I'm sure it's British technology. I'm sure it's British designed, but... You know, we're probably 40 years away from that in this country because I'm sure H 2 has been, and Crossrail was the one. I mean, Crossrail has just about finished in London going from east to west. But I'm sure when my parents moved to London 40 years ago, it was it was in the design phase. You know, it was a plan to be done. Yeah. But we're talking, you know, two generations ago and it still is only just being completed now. So we need to execute at speed quicker. I mean, in Southampton, we've got the cruise ships as well as the um, mm-hmm. the cargo. And it's still the ships have to get their power from leaving the engines on in 2021. They're not actually, there's no power to the ships from the shore. It is being now put in place, but in this day and age, you see them with their, their engines still going and the smoke coming out of the, um, the funnels. And you think, well, why wasn't that done 10, 20 years ago? But Exactly. Um, we, we always say we, we take the mick out of, of Insulate Britain on this podcast, but we always say we completely understand and we completely back what they're trying to do. Yes, but as we said before, they're disenfranchising the ordinary person like me who's just trying to get my child to school or visit my elderly mum in hospital or get to work. Um, you know, why aren't they? Where were they at COP26? Were they there? I don't you know. know. That, was sure, that, was, that was surely their platform to make them 
to make to put Partly. themselves in, in the public eye. But I didn't see I didn't see them sort of um, gluing themselves I in front have... of Joe Biden's motorcade <laughs> or anything like that. Probably because they get shot and run over. But That's you know. <laughs> But that was their platform, surely, like in Scotland earlier this week, was their platform to do something. Rather yeah, than just... well, certainly was, but a lot of them were stuck from going up because there was a, I believe a, a tree has gone onto one of the lines leaving, um, I think it was Euston, or which, um, I can't remember which train station goes up north from London. Therefore, most of them were unable to attend. Brilliant. Oh, is that right? Okay. Right. So anyone who was trying to leave London was delayed by, um, until I think the conference was more or less finished. So I think they... Uh, Beautiful. Unless you are a, uh, unless they were uh, based in the north of the country or in Scotland, there was very little way, apart from get, you know getting in a car and driving, <laughs> uh, to get there. <laughs> oh, it's, could it's, they could have flown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be much quicker. Get your canal boat up there. Leave about. Four, get get, four, get your dinghy out. I've got one you can have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's but you had Greta Thunberg there, and I'm I know a lot of people give Greta Thunberg a bad rap, and I don't understand why because she's she's a teenage girl that is worried about the environment, and she's fighting for it, and she's vocal, and people like Piers Morgan don't like that. And well, if Piers Morgan doesn't like it, it's probably because it's it's a good thing, probably then, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good sign. Right, so. Uh, that's really it for for the for the news in regards to the environment. Which again, we're not an environmental podcast, but I think from a business perspective, that's huge. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about football index. Um, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are part of business, but also football fans because they've come across from the Hard Truth Football Podcast, our sister sister station with Darren McAntony. Now. That's why we've got Dave on, and I, I was wondering, Dave, if you could just explain first of all what football index was. Was I was going to say was yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank. As first, you know, obviously, thanks for the uh, invite on. So um, I was a football index custom from 2018, so not an early adopter, but reasonably early. Um, it was um, it commenced in 2015, so it was in existence for just shy of six years, and. It was regulated by the Gambling Commission, but to all intents and purposes, it mimicked the stock market. But rather than buying shares in Apple or um, British Airways, talked about flying a minute ago, or this new company that's going to be electrifying motorways, you were buying virtual shares in footballers. Um, they were a series of mini bets, basically. And uh, it gained popularity very quickly because rather than just betting on, I don't know, Liverpool to win the league, for example, or um, Harry Kane to get the first goal, you were buying a share which had a duration to it. Now, it was licensed that that share would last three years. And how you won in, in the early days when it first was launched in 2015 was there was an algorithm looking at media mentions. So if your player scored a goal on the Sunday four o'clock game, good chance they'd win. Uh, media um, dividends the next day because they would be written about positively in um, a series of newspapers uh, mainly focused in the UK. So it grew very quickly um, and by its demise this March, so March 2021, there was in the region of £124 million worth of open bets wow. and the company entered administration um, very suddenly 
um, you know, as as customers, you're not going to get detailed information from um, from their finances, but we were aware of what they'd got in versus what they'd paid out in winning bets, and uh, there was yeah, a good disparity. There was there should have been money in the bank, but um, mismanagement, um, taking their eye off the ball, funding different projects meant that they basically spent the bets, the stakes, and didn't have enough money to pay pay out the winners. Um, Eek. I, I exactly, and the the worst thing about this is people had their life savings in football index. This isn't people you hear all the time about gambling issues and people lose a lot of money um, through having gambling addiction. This was advertised as a, a stock market. Uh, effectively, they mentioned it was gambling, but it was advertised more as a stock market. People had hundreds of thousands. They had their life savings in this. And overnight, exactly. You, you wouldn't put a hundred. You wouldn't put a hundred thousand pounds on my examples earlier. Liverpool to win the league, or um, Harry Kane to get the first goal. Not unless you're Jeff Bezos or something along those lines that can afford yeah. to lose that sort of money. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it was marketed and promoted as a, a safe haven, uh, to use a, a phrase that the CEO several years ago, um, actually used on Twitter, a safe haven for your money. It was beating Bank of England base rates. Uh, you were encouraged to use your credit cards. As That's long as what you I was going to say. All you ha- I think he said all you need to do is beat your interest rate. which Exactly. Is- Max out your credit card and beat the interest rate. I mean, this is the CEO of a, of a gambling company. And, you know, my background is financial services. I've worked for 25-odd years for two major UK banks. So... I'm amazed that people fell for it initially, but actually by being a member of the action group that was formed on the back of the demise of Football Index by being a member of the creditor committee um, that is still working with uh, the administrators and I'm actually attending court later today uh, to look at a liquidation hearing in Jersey and being a moderator on the Facebook group, it became clear to me that a lot of people were taken in by the both the official marketing on the website and you know, the use of terms such as dividend, yield, portfolio, shares, mm-hmm. um, it, it but, was also, but also the unofficial marketing, the tweets from the CEO and the, the, the marketing officer, you know, we're beating the Bank of England base rate, max out your credit cards. Uh, people actually not only put their life savings in, but were actually, in, I wouldn't say encouraged, that would be the wrong word, were lured into thinking it was a good idea to take out credit. So, you know, taking out cash advances and credit cards, funding via credit card, which has now been banned by the Gambling Commission, but yep. also taking out loans and, yeah, taking out £25,000 loans, the maximum you can get from a bank, and then putting that money straight into Football Index because the returns were potentially going to outweigh the um, the cost of the loan in the low interest rate environment. It's, um, they, they literally advertise themselves as the football stock market. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was the football stock market. Which is, 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 is so sad because I remember when it all kicked off, um, I, we had Pep Barisha on, who was from the Football Index Guide, one of the biggest football, in, well, the biggest football index The podcast. biggest, yeah. Um, very, very, very knowledgeable from Pep. So a lot of the information I got was through Pep. I actually went on the Fig podcast couple of years ago because my background if you listen to the last episode is in professional gambling i met pet at a an award ceremony he said look i'd love to have you on as a a new user someone who's not used the 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 platform and who also has that professional gambling background 
So I spent on it, I put 50 quid into it and for a couple of months and just see what I can do. I remember speaking to Pep and saying, I just don't understand how it makes money. Because everyone was winning. Like, like everybody's value was always going up. You were making dividends and player values were more than likely going to go up. I thought, how can they sustain that as a company? These values going up as quick as you can. I mean, I understand from the gambling industry, the winning bets are funded by the losing bets. When they're saying ninety-eight percent of people make money, is that is that two percent that are losing money? Are they losing millions? <laughs> is that how it works? But no. This was the part of it I didn't get. So I had a uh, former co- again, like many, I dabble in the stock market. I invest where I can and I had a former colleague of mine who was saying oh, I've put you know I've put money in I've got a little bit out and I asked I said oh is that the quote-unquote football stock market and he goes yeah yeah yeah." and I just said well how does that work on the basis of um with most investments you rely say you put some money into apple if apple have a, a good quarter your money might go up but because it's in football there's an unless someone physically goes and buys the rights to romelu lukaku's body i don't quite understand how um the value would go up and down and then upon digging a little bit further and understanding about the bets and whatnot i thought well this isn't a stock market it, it can't be it doesn't fit the mould, but they just seem really, really hesitant to actually say, well, hold on here. This is, this is get, like some, it's, it's gambling. And whilst some investments can be deemed as that, dare I say, there are, fur, there are tells you can tell in the market, say with companies you invest in, that would make more sense. But I just don't, I just couldn't get my head around all this. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, I think off the back of it, I mean, I don't want to sound high and mighty that I was proved right, but I just thought, I can't see how this is going to last long term. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, I think when people were saying they were making money, um, 98% of people weren't, weren't beating the bookie. They weren't putting in a pound and winning £1.10. What they were doing is were putting in a pound, winning 10p, but more people were putting in a pound. So that the way that the, um, the the pricing worked was that the more people that bought shares, incrementally the price went up. So every hundred shares that were, or every hundred bets, effectively that were produced in one player by Football Index, because they they were in charge of creating the shares. So if there was demand for shares, they just print more more shares, and that would put the price up a penny, and so on and so forth. So you were winning by well, in inverted commas, you were winning by being an early adopter. Um, the amount of people who probably put in X and earn more in dividends would probably be the other way around. 2% probably beat the bookie and 98% probably didn't lose because they didn't have their bets never matured. So, you know, they were taken off the table in March. Uh, So 124 million pound of open bets was was stakes were spent or 110 million of them were spent. And there was about 14 million pound left. And the business knew that they couldn't, there was no long term viability, and that's been proven by the fact that administration has failed. I think it's, this isn't just an, a failure of football index, it's also a failure of the gambling industry, which is another gripe that, that um, the, the action group have, isn't it? Well, when you say the industry, I, I'd, I'd, um, I direct my blame towards the regulator. Um, when they issued a license in 2015, they missed key component of 
of what the, the core feature, the USP of this was, that you could trade, you could buy and sell your shares. So if I bought 100 Romelu Lukaku, as you said, on day one, um, someone came in day two, if they bought another 100, they'd buy them off Football Index. I say on day three, I thought, oh, I made a penny on that. I'm going to sell those shares. Then I would then have, have sold them on. So, um, yeah, that that was missed by it. That allegedly was missed by two people in the Gambling Commission who uh, looked at this application and licensed it. So they had a live, you know, a, a dummy version of a live website and missed the fact it had a big buy and sell button. Um, so what you were doing, what the Gambling Commission thought we were doing for three years as consumers was buying a share hoping that we'd make more in payouts on that share. And at the end of three years, a bit like the Grand National, when the race finishes, your bet finishes, at the end of three years, that bet finished. That was it. You couldn't trade it on. So if you traded it on, it then lasted another three years and another three years. So what Football Index were doing in the early days was issuing shares at quite low prices that had an infinite return, or potentially an infinite return. Because if you bought shares in Jaden Sancho, He's, he had 15 years, still has 15 years potentially of his career left. How does that company model the risk? The, you know, what, how do they mm. model what the dividend payout will be on that over 15 years? There's so many variables around you know, where will he play? Will he, will, he, will he be the next David Beckham in terms of not just ability, but media presence, all this sort of stuff? And the Gambit Commission just looked at it and thought, oh, they're just selling shares, um, fixed odds bets. Um, and they weren't, they were trading. Um, to compound things, when the Gambling Commission became aware of this in 2018 and definitely in 2019, they didn't put a stop to it. They allowed it to continue and because of the popularity of, of the index football fans, people make, making on paper good profits, and the enjoyment. I mean, there was a fantastic, there is still a fantastic community on social media. Oh, incredible. And it, it was an exceptional product. I would say it was, um, people were addicted, but they were certainly in love with the thrill of winning dividends. And Football Index expanded it to away from just media mentions, which is a bit boring, really, to performance on the pitch in 2017. So, you know, you'd, you'd have a player who'd be top of the table, uh, had scored an X amount of points and then Messi would start for Barcelona at 8pm on a Sunday evening and it was then the excitement was is he going to overtake and yeah, invariably he did because he's a, an exceptional player <laughs> yep. um, so yeah there was the real excitement around like you get it the horse racing you know if the two horses jump the last and they're neck and neck there's a real buzz you can hear the excitement in the in, in, in the um, uh, you know in the, in the in the crowds it was like that but obviously virtually we weren't all around um the tv together but on social media on chat rooms etc people saying oh is messi gonna get this is he gonna get this free kick and it was a real buzz there was a, you know it was an exceptional product yeah oh 100 yeah you don't get to the size they did without having a good product it was the idea of it was great but also the idea of me going around the world and around the country and giving everyone 100 quid i'm sure everyone will think that's great as well if you can't fund it if it's not got a good business model behind it and you've got people's cash mm-hmm. you're holding onto their cash and it's unfortunately it's people's lives have been ruined by it so i think that's a really good analogy going around the country giving 100 quid so if uk down to southampton gave me 100 quid you'd have to then take 100 quid from me 
and then go and see Mr. Kennedy, give him that hundred quid, but then take a hundred quid off him and so on and so forth. So um, as soon as those hundred quid stopped, very quickly, your, your model collapses. And that, I believe, is what happened. There was a couple of things that happened. Now, COVID is blamed by various, um, the Gambling Commission being one, maybe administrators for the for the directors being another. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Derby fan. We're, we're blaming the reason we're in administration on COVID, so I'm, I'm well used to that line. But actually, the, the company, the company to be... I'll give very little credit where credit is due for them. A, it was an exceptional product, and B, they actually weathered the COVID storm in terms of what they did because they had payouts daily. They they fell back onto the media mentions, and when there's no football on, people still need to read about football and write about football. So there was still the opportunity to win mm. on a daily basis, even when there was no football on. Um, but yeah, the the issue started probably September 2020 with the return. Ironically, the return of football and a lot of football in a very short period of time because of the late start of the season, the Champions League member was in August um, and there was lots of football to be played. Um, The directors changed the mechanics of the platform whilst under investigation by the Gambling Commission and they basically stopped having um, issuing new bets. I won't I won't bore your listeners with the details it gets quite complicated and even I have to sort of think about it am I explaining this correctly to myself and I you know I'm in a position where where I am very knowledgeable of the platform and the mechanics and the finances around it um but yeah basically they stopped the income coming in and that was changes that the directors of of football index put in themselves to take away their liability to to reduce their liability um and very quickly as soon as money stopped coming in uh, combined with escalating and rising costs uh not only to um consumers traders uh in terms of dividends they did increase them dramatically because they that they i believe they started to see that their income was dropping uh, but also they embarked on a series of um, reckless um, expenditure. They decided that they were going to build their own trading platform that would be global, um, uh, almost like NASDAQ, um, yeah. the, uh, the American stock market. Uh, they decided that rather than white labeling their product, they'd buy their own and then try and outdo them. I mean, this was a company that... We talk about 124 million pounds, and it's a lot of money. Um, but it's tiny in the in the whole scheme of things in terms of how much money is gambled just in the UK. I think it's 17 billion a year is gambled. They didn't even scratch the surface of the big companies like Skybet, Paddy Power, Flutter, etc. So um, they kind of just just I think flew under the radar a bit to start with, and then by the time the issues became apparent. Potentially, they were too big to fail. The Gambling Commission, I don't think, knew what to do. Um, what had happened was that the ability for people to then trade bets to sell players, uh, buy and sell players, both back to the, um, the, the, the the issuer, Football Index, but between each other, was that they created a financial instrument which should have been regulated by, regulated by the FCA, mm-hmm. a quite complex financial instrument legally. It was a very basic product. There was a few different ways of winning, but... They created, in legal terms, a very, very complex product. Um, Almost by accident. And I, I think it was by accident, yeah. I don't think they, the directors of the company set out in 2015 or before that when the idea was, was first mooted to, to rip people off. But I think that very quickly it became apparent 
to certain people within the company. This is stuff that's come out in in in, in court papers and 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 um, media publications that they were aware that they created something which they needed to keep uh, topping up the amount of customers. They needed new customers to not just pay out the old customers, but to cover their costs. You know, they had compliance costs. They had ridiculous advertising. I mean, they sponsored Nottingham Forest and QPR. They had, well, that was they, downfall, mate, to be honest with you. They were very high profile. Yeah, they were on every single billboard around pitches. Talk you know, they talk sport. Um, they had John Motson, Gillen Balagay. I mean, they were, they had the media presence of, of, your William Hills and your Skybets, but were a fraction of the size and just didn't generate enough uh, to cover their costs. Ultimately, I mean, and then if, if you decide to sponsor Nottingham Forest, it's only downhill from there. It's it's guaranteed failure as soon as you put any logo in front of that red shirt. You may as well just go out of business. Ooh. Oh, he's talking to a Derby fan again, are we? Yeah, <laughs> got to have a little dig, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, you're not talking stupid money. I mean, you, you know, they didn't sponsor Man U and spend £90 million on this front of a shirt. I mean, it was um, hundreds of thousands rather than hundreds of millions. But it was still, it was cumulative. They they had no financial control. Um, they had, uh, I, I read somewhere, 1.8 million customers, but only about three or 4,000 were active on any one day. So they just had a churn of customers. They didn't retain enough customers. Yeah. Um so they just were always continually looking to bring new customers in rather than actually, you know, why? You know, Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy, for example, I put oh, yourself actually, uh, Mike, put 50 quid in. Why didn't you put more in? How can we market you? And, you know, when the CEO was a market, well, an alleged marketing expert, why were they not marketing their existing customer base? Um, is a question I haven't answered yet. Um, it, 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 there's so many things that, other than a very good product, I think from a business podcast, and I used to look after businesses um, in the last stage of my career, a good idea isn't always a good business, sadly. Yeah. Um, and But they had, they, had a, they had a very, very strong and a very large management team um, in terms of gambling background, compliance, um, finance, and it still failed spectacularly. It, uh- Going on to that, the guy called Justin, uh, who is one of the founders of Twitch, um, originally Justin TV, founded Justin TV, turned it to Twitch, sold it to Amazon for over a billion, set up a new company and lost tens of millions. Uh, Just because you've got that strong background and that knowledge doesn't mean it's going to be successful. I mean, Adam Cole, it's Adam Cole, isn't it, the founder? Adam Adam Cole was the founder and was the CEO until December last year. Even his words were the gambling regulators don't understand our product. And that's scary, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think they even said blurring the lines between gambling and investment. It was something. It, there were so many actual. Looking back now, there were so many with with the benefit of hindsight. So many little clues where they were almost telling us that they were out outside of regulation. It just, um, yeah, they said, "Oh, the gambling commission doesn't understand our model and doesn't read." But we just give them nice biscuits and they go away happy. <laughs> and, that, and that was a genuine quote. Uh, you know, maybe not words to that effect, but that is a genuine quote from his social media. Uh, Twitter account. Is it, like you say, hindsight's perfect, isn't it? And hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at it and think, there's so many red flags. But the product was so good if you used it. If From what you say, their, their active user base, that's scary. The fact that they had so many users and so few of them were active. The strength of Facebook in its early years were its, its active daily users 
was mind-blowing. The percentage of people that used Facebook that were signed up to Facebook a day was mind-blowing, and that's why it grew. Mm. We say on this podcast, so people ask us for advice when starting a company, the, the best thing you can do is focus. I mean, Football Index was a startup. It doesn't matter how much money it had in it, it's a startup. I get the feeling that they, first of all, they focus on the wrong thing and they also lost focus on, on that. They, as you said earlier... Exactly they, right. I'd agree with what you said. Sorry to interrupt. They no, basically no. thought they thought they'd done it. They thought they'd broken it and they took their, they, they, they took their focus away from being a gambling company and to develop this software, this uh, trading platform that they were going to white label and sell into America with the relaxation of gambling laws there. They're going to expand and do cricket in India, football in Germany. And they, they lost their focus. And from my perspective, going back to the business side of things, they lost their discipline, or did they ever have the discipline to manage costs? Yeah. You know, no one could have predicted COVID. No one could predict that football would be uh, cancelled. But if you've basically commenced a program to spend a million pound a month on a software platform and two million pound a month on dividends, and you've never ever turned that over in one year, but you're you're committed to that every month, then your business is going to fail. Yeah, but we didn't know this. It, it, you know, the, the main company I mentioned Jersey earlier on. The main company's in Jersey. They don't file accounts. We had no visibility. So, from a consumer point of view, you rely on the integrity of the directors, which is seriously lacking. And uh, you can quote me on that. Um, and secondly, you rely on some form of regulation um, being fit for purpose, being proactive and, and protecting consumers. And none of those three things can be, um, yeah, the gambling commission can't say that they did any of those three things with regards to football index. The, um, the, the downfall of it, if uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, they reduced the dividend payments, didn't they? They, they reduced it. And that, what that caused was, for example, Jaden Sancho, was a very valuable player on there because he earned a lot of dividends. He was being a media over here and he was a good player. So his value was high. They, they reduced the dividend payment. This is obviously a very basic view that I've got, which meant Jaden Sancho's value dropped because... But everyone's value dropped. Everyone. I'm just using yeah. Jaden as, as an example. Mm. So everybody's value dropped, which means these portfolios that people spent years building, their portfolio value dropped and the more it dropped the more people sold the more it dropped because people wanted to get out early well people can people can sell so they would just reduce the prices by this stage i mentioned about this one penny increment that had gone so it was like a it was like a proper stock market in terms of how the prices were so it was sentiment led and after six to 12 months of being told that the company was growing, had all these plans to expand internationally. It was going to be regulated by the FCA is kind of how it was promised to us. It was going to have all this new technology behind it. I quote virtually verbatim word for word, we have never been in a stronger financial position. And then suddenly in March, yeah, we're basically, we're basically cutting dividends by 90% because which basically they do underpin the, the value of the of the um, of the portfolio, the the, yep. the return you get back. Um, yeah, we're going to basically drop this because we're in a precarious financial position. So people are then desperate to get 
what money they could get out because they're worried they're going to lose it all. And actually, those people probably uh, made the right decision to get out what they could because as we stand here today, we don't know what we'll get. You know, we, we our, our open bets of let's say hundred thousand might only be worth two thousand now, one thousand, three thousand. We just don't know. That's we don't know. Horrendous. This isn't. I just know this isn't Jeff Bezos. This isn't. These aren't super rich people that can absorb those losses. These are working class people that that had a great product and enjoyed it that that avoid losing the money one of the worst things in my opinion that they did is just before they dropped the dividend the dividend that's not a word the dividend price didn't they mint a load of Jaden sancho's Am I well, right? they, so they, they yeah they I, again that. i mean i mean what we found out after this has happened and yeah the reason that there was an action group formed was because of the this wasn't just a business that failed due to bad luck. I mean, there was a lot of misrepresentation, uh, a lot of, well, basically lies now. So they changed the way they could generate revenue uh, to make it more favorable for them. Uh, because they, as I said to you in, uh, earlier, they weren't generating any revenue at all other than commission between traders. So they, rather than selling a James Sancho for 15 quid, they were just picking up the 2% on the 15 quid. Um, so their revenue had dropped substantially. But they came out and said, "Look, we're going to do a we're going to do a, um, a a podcast or a YouTube video or something. We're going to do an announcement about our plans for 2021." Now, normally when this happened, it was a precursor to good news. You know, oh, is it now going to be, you know, so the community of traders on social media is it going to be the expansion to Germany being promised? Is it going to be finally that we're going to have this Nasdaq technology? Is it going to be that is now a financial product, not a gambling product? All these things have been promised. So for two weeks, we were led into a false sense of good news coming out. They even delayed. The, the, the video Q&A, as, as I think they called it, for a further week, just to get more money in. And then basically never did the Q&A. They just issued a statement after suspending market saying, sorry, we're broke. <laughs> Dividends have dropped. Dividends have dropped and um, the market opened in the morning and it absolutely tanked. So, yeah, uh, they've been downward pressure on portfolios since September last year. So it had been six months of small drops you know two percent one percent five percent maybe you know big you know you know if, if the footsie's down at five percent it's a it's 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 considered a catastrophe almost <laughs> isn't it that, on that particular day um yeah i mean it, it dropped 70 80 percent um and it, but it shouldn't have done because what had happened was with a with a, a market an index such as that um companies put in um circuit breakers to stop you know stop people panicking so actually take shares off market you can't buy or sell them just to allow people to actually consider what they're doing now football index have put these in place in november to stop volatility and to try and regain trader confidence now suddenly after this announcement those those circuit breakers were no longer in place it's very, very, very strange, and it's a, it's an allegation that as a as an action group we've put forward to the solicitor firm looking at it, and one we still haven't got an answer to. Why were these circuit breakers not in place on that particular morning? Um, it's it's yeah. There's a lot of anger in the community, not just because the company failed. We understand that companies fail. You know, people do understand that. Maybe not 
on the Saturday morning after they'd lost 80-90%. But in the cold light of day, okay, you look back when we were kids. There's lots of companies like Woolworths, um, mm-hmm. yep. C&G. You know, yeah, C&A, for C&A, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, lots of shops that are no longer around anymore. And lots of businesses that have come and taken their place, like Amazon and so on and so forth. Um, but it was more around the misrepresentation. We're in a great place. We're going places. We've got a great track record of paying out dividends. We'll continue that. And that was even being said on the Thursday, the day before they dropped that bombshell. And, you know, it's just dishonest practices that... Yeah that are at the allegation stage and are being investigated. And yeah, I, I mean, think, you know, the truth will come out. And, you know, ultimately, this wasn't just going into William Hills and putting five or a tenner on a horse and it falling at the, the last and you, you're losing your money. This was substantial sums of money that were just spent. They just didn't have the money to continue. And I mentioned £124 million of bets was was outstanding at, 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 at closure. I would, I would estimate over the five years, five and a half years of trading, they probably only paid out about 25 to 30% in dividends. Wow. That's my estimation. Yeah. I don't think I'm a million miles away from that. It might be 30, it might be 20, it might be, you know, it's, it's around that sort of figure. So I appreciate that, you know, they're not doing it for free. They need to make a profit. They need to pay their staff. They need to pay for their website. They need to pay tax. <laughs> when they make a profit yeah yeah i appreciate that from my background and working for a bank and advising businesses on behalf of the bank and, and and looking after that but you know they they lost control of their costs they lied to us and they spent our money is basically the short of it and we are now getting no help or even empathy from the gambling commission it's like well your stakes <laughs> were at risk what, it was yeah it, basically your stakes were at risk you knew you, you knew there were risk, and you know if you'd put a, you know a bet on Jaden Sancho and he broke his leg, for example, and had a career-threatening injury, or um, Messi had gone to Argentina rather than P- PSG, you can kind of accept that. Oh, I, I made a bad bet, but yeah. to have 124 million pounds of bets, some were good, some were indifferent, some would have been bad. That's the nature of of of, of the of, of gamblers. You know you. You hope to win more than you lose, and obviously, football index hope to pay out less than they took in, which they did. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think if, um, uh, if you were to be in charge of football index 12 months before, if it was me, let's say, let's say uh, they had a, a brain aneurysm, decided to put some big, bold 30 year old, in, I mean, 21 year old, in charge of football index a year before they went bust, I th- what the differences I'd have made is that I would have sacked off all the NASDAQ bollocks. I would have, the focus would have been, right, our issue, we've got a huge player base. We've got a lot of people signed up. It is difficult to get 100 people to sign up for a product to put money into a product. That's very difficult. The fact that they had 1.8 million, they would have had a database somewhere with all these names. But they only had a few thousand daily active users and don't get me wrong, those active users were highly engaged. That community was highly engaged. The focus should have been on that 1.7997 million people. How can we get them back onto the platform? They were obviously interested enough to start the platform without 
just go in, we'll give them more money. Because I feel like that's what they were thinking. For me, from the outside looking in, and I don't know, you could probably want to confirm this, Dave. The the more the joy you got from this platform, as a guess, isn't the fact that you could make loads and loads of money. It was the fact it, uh, people put a one pound bet on um, a game just to make it a bit more interesting. I feel like the community in football index was so strong; people weren't in it to make hundreds of thousands of pounds. It just made it was something that they really. I mean, some people were obviously, but the the more enjoyment people got from it was the community that came with it. The the, the trying to find the player and the player going up in value. If I'd said to you at the start in 2018 when you signed up, um, you've got the chance to make a hundred thousand pounds in the next year through football index, you'd be like, yes, great, brilliant. If I also said to you, you've got the chance to make ten thousand pounds in the next year. You would say, yes, great, thank you. They just try to buy their way in, which doesn't work. I mean, if you're a, you're a Chelsea fan, you're, that's how you do it. <laughs> I just feel that they should have concentrated on those customers that weren't using the product, finding out why they weren't using the product. Because I can tell you now, it wouldn't be because they're not making enough money. No. People, it, it won't. That won't be the reason. There will be a fundamental reason. Why? I mean, I mean, people will pay to do fancy football. So I think that you know, with with my background again from for, you know from analysing business plans and reading kind of balance sheets and, and everything else, so I, I looked at the finances and I tried to think about how this could be saved because the the, the purpose of administration for those um, you know maybe you know might be football index customers who don't know was to to save it as a going concern and to 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 uh, restructure it and to make it more sustainable and to get it back out there and the, that was the plan for launching again at the start of this season um so i don't look at a lot of the options and one of the options i thought was you charge people a monthly fee a bit like your bank account and you chuck something in for that and that's how you get people engaged because if you had 1.8 million people all right not everyone would have paid the five pound a month for example but if you're paying that and you're seeing any banks saying, oh, no, I'll go in and give that again, especially if you get a marketing email. I just think that they were still doing the same marketing tricks they were in year six as year two, for example. They weren't doing this in year one, which was billboards around football grounds, black cabs in London. Those people would have already seen it and been signed up. They had to do something different. And for the CEO who presided over the collapse, uh, Mike Bowen, to be a CRM expert and a marketing expert, excuse my language, what the, what the hell is he doing? I was going to say something worse then. Say what it, the hell say was it. he doing? We, what the fuck drop. was he there doing? We go. God, <laughs> what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> Good lads. With 1.8 million people on various spreadsheets and CRM tools and everything else, and you're still spunking hundreds of thousands of pounds on match day sponsorship and billboards and bollocks like that and you're not actually you're not doing you're not doing your job mate you're not doing your job which is marketing and and increasing wallet share for each of those customers and it's bordering on criminal that's not a you know he's only get locked up for not being a very good marketeer but it's criminal in a business podcast to have that level of 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 sign up and not do anything about it it angers me still. Oh, no, it does. Fucking put the boot in, mate. Put yeah. The boot in. yeah. Well, hopefully no, it'll never I work mean, again. 
I mean, from what I saw of their marketing, it just seemed very much, they took the attitude of, if we build it, they will come. But the problem was that, yes, of course, they were telling, uh, telling everyone. I mean, we all knew what Football Index was, but they weren't telling us why. It was then being flouted as a stock market. Well, anyone who with any form of financial background would have thought, well, it's not. So what is it? And some people have just thought, right, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get involved in something I don't understand. But then six years on, still going, yeah, we've got football index in the front of shirts, boards. And you think, well, why haven't you evolved it? What? There are lots of people on the, fe- on the fence, such as myself, who never signed up and thought, I would ha- be happy to sign up, but give me an incentive as to why. What am I going to get out of it? Rather than going, football index, football index, football index. Why? Why should I? Why should I resist giving my money to an independent financial advisor and give it to you instead? Really and there was never point. an incentive. And actually, what they what they wanted to do, and again, we I talked about taking their eye off the core product, but they also took. I think they took their eye off the core customer, who was predominantly a football fan. And what they wanted to do was turning it into a high yield alternative asset class, and that is a direct quote from about. September 2020. So what they wanted was with, well, the NASDAQ sort of, well, I mean, NASDAQ, that gave me confidence to put more money in because I thought, well, NASDAQ will do their due diligence and look at the finances and think they're not going to put their name to something which is going to fail. So I think there must be a level of embarrassment at NASDAQ that this happened as well. Um, Although it's a very small thing, but they put Adam Cole and Football Index on the outside of the NASDAQ building in oh, Times wow. Square in New York. Yeah, so it was a big, you know, if that was their entry into an alternative market, not financial services, but, but, but sports betting. And that is going to be huge in the States over the next decade or so because yeah. it has been relaxed. And they are now, NASDAQ have actually taken an equity share in a company in America uh, to do to, something like that. There's a few of these companies out there, but they've actually got an equity share rather than a, you know, a partnership where Football Index white labeled their technology and they, they provided the back end. So I can understand why NASDAQ entered into this partnership. Um, but ultimately you had to look after your 1.8 million existing customers. And I mm. believe they may, they overcomplicated things. Uh, a bet should be quite straightforward. And it did the, you know, to tr- trying to, develop the product if you're explaining it to someone from day one well you can win money on media but then you've got match days Mm -hmm. but also occasionally if you buy a new share in a player you get a point you get a penny when they score a goal okay and then two months in people were messaging me saying oh i bought Jaden sancho i didn't get my uh penny for the goal per share obviously um well when did you buy oh back in Jack and June. Well, that was only for the first month. And people started, yeah, that, I think it almost got a little bit too complicated. Oh, um, if you listen to... And people lost, people lost engagement. I think, oh, God, yeah. I thought I'd won some money and I haven't. And that, that's demotivating. And actually yeah, people completely. think, oh, shit, you know, I, uh, I thought I'd won a fiver, you know. Why, why would I bother with this if I don't understand it? And I think that was probably, probably switched a lot of people off as well. But why wasn't that recognised by a company with, gambling experts and CRM experts and marketing experts and product specialists and account managers and all these people, all this cost they put in, they didn't recognize it. And just if you were to listen to my interview with Fig and they were were talking about the platform, that is the exact thing I said of it's a little bit too complicated. They need to work on making this a really simple product. I also believe that 
uh, football index is a long-term thing. You also need the ability to have short-term endorphin releases of, I'm about to, Liverpool versus Man City are about to play. They should have built something in there where I can put a, a, similar to a traditional bet, but with a football index twist, where I can win money that day. And I don't know how they do that. You have day trading in, in the world of stocks. Um, it needed a more of a short-term hook to get those new users playing. Yeah, there was, uh, again, I'm not going to give much credit to them, but that was, <laughs> covered, that was covered off by Adam Cole, who was the original CEO. He did say that they were looking at enhanced... I mean, the technology was pretty awful. Looking back now, it, it it looks okay at the front end, but it wasn't it wasn't the most attractive app. And I was actually surprised how many people use the app compared to actually logging onto a, a laptop. You know, it, it shows my age now at fifty years old that a lot of people don't don't have a laptop. They do everything via an app. Um, you know, because I'm you know, downloading Excel spreadsheets for your mm. transaction history. Most people, a lot of people, didn't want to do that. Just had no interest. So what they were doing was looking at. Oh, they had an idea, which was to, you know, we talked about you in play dividends, your first 30 days is that you'd buy your Bruno Fernandes at 3pm, he'd play at four, he'd score or get an assist, and you'd get a little ching noise like eBay on your phone, and your £5 for your 500 shares or whatever would be credited straight to your account. And that would have given that instant endorphin that you were talking about, whether it fits Safer Gambling Week and everything else that we're in at the moment is another matter. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think they had recognised that. But really, I, in a way, you had to be very patient. I think a lot of people weren't patient enough for what they'd built. Um, and that's no. not a criticism of Football Index, to be fair to them. Uh, that's more to do with the fact that they'd attracted gamblers and it was what, because it was a gambling product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really it was set up to be more of an invest, investment vehicle, and it should have been regulated by the FCA, not just because of the patience of the portfolio, but the fact is that actually a bet that you can trade and earn dividends on, and has a, a has an infinite amount of time until that player retires or, or downgrades to a lower division. Um, that's quite a complex instrument. Uh, it's a derivative for people listening. You know, that is a, a derivative or a binary option or a contract for difference. It's, it's along those lines. It's my question at the moment for the regulators is what did you actually define this as at the end? Because that is still up in the air. It wasn't a bet. <laughs> it, it, you know. And even Bet Index said to the Gambling Commission, what we have built is, is a platform where we turn a bet into a tradable financial instrument. That is words that they used in their business plan to the Gambling Commission in 2019, I think. They'd already told them that they could trade. And the Gambling Commission should have looked at this and gone, fucking hell, this isn't what we licensed. Yeah. This is this is beyond us. Right, we need to suspend this and work out how we protect the consumers that we have led down the garden path with this regulation. And what they did was just kind of like fluff around with the FCA. And the FCA, I don't think, had any intention of taking on this this absolute basket case of a product. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> probably. Because the FCA had banned the sale of this type of product to people like me and you at the start of 2019 because they were deemed to be too dangerous for retail clients and the companies behind them were deemed to be too, um, what's the word, um, too dishonest 
to be regulated. Uh, and that's, some, that, that's called a binary option. So if you Google binary option at the end of this podcast, for, for you two now and for people <laughs> listening on Monday next week, you'll see that the SCA, nah, we don't want to regulate this. So the so my, my challenge to the Gambit Commission when I meet them next week will be, you regulated something, you then wanted to get rid of the regulation to somebody who didn't want it. And yeah. you did that for two years. It wasn't two months or two weeks. After two years, they still hadn't got to the end of the problem, but still allow people to put in life-changing sums of money. You know, in two years, I would say that that £124 million of bets probably doubled in that last two years, maybe even more. You know, so, so people are putting hundreds, no, sorry, tens of millions of pounds. And some people would have put in hundreds of thousands of pounds of their own money into that. And it's, that, that, is, that is, to me, is the, the unfair part. We all make mistakes as human beings. Banks make mistakes. Gambling commission makes mistakes. Um, Amazon will make mistakes in terms of, you know, a, a, a recent very successful company we talk about. You know, where was Amazon 20 years ago? They were a small online book, bookseller, weren't they? Yep. Um, but they didn't own the mistake and they didn't do anything about it. And they still haven't apologised or shown any degree of empathy for people that have lost £124 million, which I find staggering for a government-funded organisation. It's insane. I think that's a good place to win. Usually we do look at um, a business that you have, and we and me and Mr. Kennedy will try to make you into a millionaire. But to be honest with you, I don't want to stop that conversation. I genuinely enjoyed that, and it was... It's sad to hear, and from a business perspective, I think the guys listening, you can see the mistakes that these big, big organisations make compared to a lot of people's businesses listening, um, and you can learn a lot from their mistakes. And focus, I take away, is the big one. They, with your business, you focus on something and you give a hundred percent of your attention to that. If it's all right with you, Dave, you've got to rush off and you've got to. You've got another Zoom call about Football Index and uh, about the, the court case. Yes, can, we right, get, yeah. can, can we get you back on in a few weeks? And what we'll do is we will update people with what's going on since then, uh, over the next month. Uh, and then we'll also get stuck into your business and we'll try to make you into a millionaire, mate. If that's all right uh, with yeah, you. Absolutely, yeah. Please, yeah, I'd love to come back. Um, hopefully... Uh, there'll be a bit more positive news. There's quite a lot going on in the football league that's over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, I actually did start with my wife a very small um, business. We're not going to be millionaires from it, I don't think. Oh, but... whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you've, you've, did you've, someone you've... say not going to be a millionaire? <laughs> <laughs> you have, no, you have contacted a couple of idiots for help. You are not going to be a millionaire, but we're going to make you think you could be a millionaire. Go oh, football index. <laughs> I think I want to be a millionaire, but yeah, no, let's take that back. I, it, it can be a successful business. It's not likely to grow to be a multi-million pound company, but, but the, I think the fundamentals of a sole trader or partnership that we've got is limited company, but a very small one. The fundamentals of that are still the same. And for me, the takeaway, and I'm happy to spend this next, this next pod, is control your costs for the people listening who own their own business. That's all you can really do. You can't influence how much people spend. You can, or you can't control how much people spend. You can influence it, but your control of costs, I think is the one takeaway uh, for listeners in terms of what you can do to make sure your business is, is as successful and profitable as possible. 
Absolutely. That's a really nice Rolex you're wearing there in your solid gold suit as well, by the way, Dave. Lovely. Uh, yeah, that wasn't from, uh, that wasn't from my business. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mr. Kennedy, um, can you please let everybody know where they can get in contact with us? Then find us on Twitter at... <clears throat> Sorry, um, I've been listening to you guys waffle on so long. I've actually <laughs> tried <dried> up. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm not going to lie. That was probably the most entertaining pod we've done. I re- that was fantastic. But you can find us on uh, Twitter at Hard Truth Business. You can find us on Instagram at uh, Hard Truth Pod. You can hopefully soon find us on Facebook. And, well, perhaps not after last week's uh, pod if you haven't listened to it. But... <laughs> <laughs> we're not on Facebook's uh, best friends list at the moment, are we? Uh, no, we're definitely uh, not. You've got, to be on tic- you've got to be on TikTok now as well. You've got to move the time. Oh, yeah. Snap- Mr. Kennedy's going to be doing some TikTok dancers. To get Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat and TikTok. You've got to be on that now. And that's how quickly social media's moved, isn't it? Because Facebook is old, but old fogies like me now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the, the young aspiring business people of the future are all on Snapchat and TikTok. Well, what we'd ask is um, if you listen to this and you've got a friend who's into business, please let them know about the pod. We are um, growing quite nicely, which I'm very happy about. And if you can also leave a review on Apple. Um, the reason being, when we try to get guests on, they'll sometimes they'll have a look at the reviews and just to just see if it's worth coming on. So it will really help us if you leave a nice review. Give us five stars or I'll cry. And um, <laughs> uh, just so we can, we can start to grow and hopefully get more smart people on like Dave to talk about other things and help your business grow. But thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Dave. Actually, Dave, yes, plug again. yourself, mate. Plug yourself. What's your Twitter handle? Um, well, it's football index related at the moment. So I'm said uh, I Dave. So all one word said I Dave number one, and that is a one as in the terms of a figure. So said I Dave one on Twitter. Perfect. Thank you. And any questions, bombard Dave. And um, please do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a genuinely heartbreaking but really interesting story. But thank you very much, guys. Thanks again. Goodbye. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you.